Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Today, uh, God just put a, a new message on my heart, and again, it's going to be for the next couple of weeks. But this message is simply called Bold Generosity. Bold Generosity is in the house of the Lord again. Amen? And again, we'll look at that, and again, I know for some of you, you're like, oh, dear God, it's going to be one of those messages. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get a hold of this, when it's alive on the inside, you get excited about these kind of things. Because again, how many of you know the Bible is living? It's a living thing, and when it gets on the inside of you, boy, you get excited. So I'm excited about sharing this message with you this morning. But let me ask you the question. Have you ever, I'm sure you've heard the statement. Finish it for me if you know what it is. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Has anybody ever been the victim of that before? Oh, my goodness. I know I have. And, and I, I pride myself in, in being frugal and wise and discerning and, you know, being led on the inside. But, you know, I, I've, I've bought into some of those things before where it seemed too good and it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about a uh, car salesman? Does anybody like car salesmen? How many just love a car salesman? I don't see a single hand. That new guy back there, he must be a car salesman. <laughs> He's got a tie. He kind of looks like a car salesman. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not mechanical. And I, uh, just out of Bible college, I had bought a used car. And I never had bought a used car before. I'd always bought new simply because I'm just not mechanical. And I'm like, I don't want to buy something that breaks down on me. I need a reliable, reliable vehicle. And so it was always one of those things that I just didn't want to buy used. Well, finally, when I got out of Bible college, there was a particular car that I liked, and I found one down in Troy, and I went down there, and, and I'm looking at it, and I'm asking the dealer questions, and, and there's some kind of scratching on the inside, but because I'm not mechanical, I didn't know anything, so I asked him some questions. He says, well, it's the tires, and I finally bought it. Well, when I bought it, it was like a lemon, it was one of the most worst experiences that I ever had. And I, I mean, I lost thousands of dollars on this vehicle. But all the while, there was kind of that scratching on the inside. And, but I just, I didn't know how to really listen to it because I wasn't mechanical. And I just was trusting that the guy that was selling me the car was on the up and the up. 
And since then, I just really have a disdain for car salesmen. Salesmen in general. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, my, my uh, nephew, he's a car salesman, or used to be, rather, over in Oklahoma. And uh, he said to me, he said, yeah, he said, you know, when we sell a car, he said, we don't divulge everything that we know. And I said, really? And he says, yeah. He says, you know, we don't owe that to anybody. He said, we just try to get the most money out of them that we can. And he says, and we know what we can do and what we can't do and blah, blah, blah. And so what he was telling me was that he, they somehow brainwashed them to justify the thinking of it's okay to deceive and lie the, to the customer. And so that even made me more infuriated. I just like, I don't like car salesmen. And so anymore, it's just like, I feel sorry for the salesman that has to deal with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm going to put you through the ringer because doggone it, you ain't going to put something over on me. In fact, you know, my wife, her, her Yukon, it's a used vehicle, and I feel sorry for that guy. In fact, he was a newbie. He never was a car salesman before. And I thought, oh, dear God, this guy. You know, so, well, you know, put him in good training from the get-go. So, anyways, uh, you know, when it comes to vehicles, you know, now that I'm older, I've bought some used vehicles over the years, but I've got a guy. You know what I mean? Anybody have a guy? When it comes to certain things, you know, if it comes to needing to make investments or buy something, I got a guy. So I got somebody that I can talk to. You know what I'm talking about? If you got a guy, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, I think we all do. Well, you know, just a few years ago, if you recall, uh, it was during the Kuwaiti war thing. And uh, there was a season where everybody was saying, buy Kuwaiti currency. Anybody remember that? They said, this is the best thing. Invest in Kuwaiti currency, and there's going to come a day where it's going to be valuable and worth a lot of money. And so I thought, well, I know a few people that have done that. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I want to do that. And so I got a hold of the accountant guy, that friend of ours, and I said, I said, should I invest in this Kuwaiti money? And he said, no. He said, currency is the lowest and the most risky and the, most, uh, the, the lack of return on anything that you can invest in. Not talking about gold or silver. I'm talking about currency. He said, yeah. He said, don't do it. So I never did do it. And I had a guy. Thank God that we have a guy to turn to in certain areas. And again, wouldn't it be great just to have a guy to turn to when it comes to the affairs of life? But the reality is, is that for you and I as a believer, we got a guy. I said, we got a guy. In fact, the Bible says that the word, the, the word is alive, and it's actually God speaking to us. It actually says that it's Jesus. And so I, I begin to learn the voice of God, and I become identified, or I can identify the voice of the Lord speaking to me, the more familiar that I become with the word of God. I've got a guy. And not only that, the Bible says that if I've received Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And you know what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? He said, he's your comforter. He's your helper. He's your counselor, your teacher. He's your standby. He's your advocate or your attorney. He'll defend you. And he's on the inside of us. So come on, somebody. We've got a guy. We have a guy that we can turn to in all the affairs of our lives. Amen. And I purpose in every situation, I just purpose to lean on the guide inside. Whether it's making a decision, whether it's making a purchase, 
Again, we can all fall subject to the emotions of things. Anybody ever got caught up in the emotions of a purchase and God's screaming at you, but you can't hear because you're like, ah, I want to buy it. You know what I mean? And so, but I've always purposed to try to follow that leading on the inside, that unction. I've asked him, Lord, help me set the boundaries. You know how it is when you want to buy something. You've got your budget, but because you really want it, sometimes you'll stretch yourself outside of the budget because you really want to do it. So I'll say, God, help me set the limit. Where's my limit? What can I do? What can I afford? Help me use wisdom in this. Or even when it comes to negotiating. Man, God, give me wisdom. What's my starting bid? How do I operate? Because I've got a guy. Say it with me. I've got a guy. Amen. So we've got the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to help us in the affairs of life. But as I said, the, the topic of our message this morning is beloved. So he's speaking to the church. He said, beloved, above all things, he said, I desire that you prosper in all things and be in health. So we oftentimes have people try to spiritualize that for us and say, well, you know, it's just talking about spiritual things, brother. You know, it's not talking about natural things. But how many of you know that all means all? So all means spiritual, emotional, financial, physical, marital, family. All means all. And he says, I desire, beloved, church, my family. He says, I desire that you prosper in all things and even have health as your soul prospers. So in other words, he's saying as your soul begins to grow in this you'll find that you have greater success and prosperity in other areas of your life. Amen. He says, I desire it. Now look at what it says here in Psalms chapter 35. Is it okay that we bring this to your attention? I know people get awful squirmish when we talk about these things. But how many of you know that God uh, lavishly loves you? Now, once again, for the sake of just the bare of repetition of saying it, the Bible says, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that we know of, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? You all familiar with that, right? Even if you're not much of a churchgoer, you probably are familiar with that. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, did you realize that in heaven, God has such a low value of the things that we value in this earth that he put it on the streets? It says that the streets are paved with gold. Isn't that pretty extravagant? I mean, we say, hey, listen, we want to put new lights in the building for the church to make it more visible. Put more stage lights so we can see Doug on the platform. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, dear God, do we really need to spend money on that? Right? I mean, we, 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 we pinch in pennies and every other thing. But again, God says, I have such a lavish love for you. Man, I put gold for the roads, I didn't just layer it or put a, a spray coating on it. It's the thickness of it. It's made of gold. Are you hearing me? So we got to get our, our, our minds right when it comes to this idea of how God desires for us to experience his goodness. All right, let's go over here to Psalms 35, verse 27. It says, let us shout for joy and be glad. Come on. He starts out that saying, let us. Shout for joy and be glad. Well, he says there must be some kind of posture, attitude, countenance about us for something that he's getting ready to say. 
In fact, he's saying this. He says, when it comes to giving time in the church, shout for joy and be glad. But once again, we, we say it's giving time and people say, oh, it's the funeral, funeral service time of the, of the church. You know, everybody gets somber and quiet, right? Like, who died? <laughs> well, Jesus did. That way you can have joy. Amen. All right, so it goes on to say, let, us, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favors my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Now say it with me. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Now I don't know how you categorize yourself, but just looking at that verse, I'm signing up to be a servant. Amen. Because God delights in my prosperity. Amen. Is, is that offending anybody right now? Because this is God's word, right? He delights in your prospering. Now, let me break that down for you just a little bit so that you can see it a little bit more clearly. It says, it says for those who favor his righteous cause. This is who he delights in the prosperity of, who favor his righteous cause. Well, let's break that down a little bit. That word favor means this. It means to desire to have pleasure in doing or willing to do. Righteous means rightness, a covenant-keeping God, or normal. Did you hear that last part? Normal. There is a normal way of living as a believer that God delights in your prosperity. How many of you know there's a lot of Christians today, and they're Christian people, they love God, but their normal is just barely getting by and struggling, saying, well, I'm doing it for the glory of God. How many of you know that's not the heart of God? It's not. I mean, if you saw my kids come to church, and, and, and their, their jeans are up to their ankles, they're wearing flood pants, you know, and their, 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 their shirts got holes in them, and their hair looks greasy and nappy and nap, you know, just look horrible, what would you think of me as a father? You'd be like, hey, pastor, have you seen your kids? <laughs> They're not looking real good. Go buy them some pants that fit them, right? Well, if, if I as a dad take care of my kids, how much more does our heavenly father want us to succeed and have what we have need of? Amen? All right. So we could say it this way. If favor is to desire and have pleasure and doing and, and do it willingly and righteousness is to do something that is right in having a covenant with God we could say it this way my inside guy the guy that's on the inside my inside man that gives me inside information this is what he'd be saying he says if your heart is desiring and willing to please to be pleased to and please to do what is right it becomes a normal way of living with a covenant God amen it simply becomes a normal way of life. And God, or the inside guy, the Holy Spirit, is continually directing us that way. Learn how to trust God. Amen? Say it with me. Bold generosity. Amen. Well, we know that oftentimes we see in the Word of God that God's blessing on our life is also connected to our giving. Or our generosity. 
And how many of you know that the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver? One translation says it this way, that God is unwilling to do without. Another translation says that God's looking for a hilarious, prompt to do it, without exception giver. Amen. A hilarious giver. What's a hilarious giver? One that just gets happy, full of joy, that's glad when it comes time to be a giver. Amen. That's the heart. He's looking for a cheerful giver. Amen. Now, with that being said, just kind of put that on pause for just a moment. We've been praying over the last several months concerning our church. And my wife has specifically prayed this particular thing. And she's not shared it with anybody just because, again, you just know how people can respond sometimes. But this is what she said as she was praying. She said, this is what the Lord has been dealing or telling her is that there is an anointing that is coming upon GVC for giving. That there is an anointing that is coming on this church for giving. Now, the word anointing means to destroy the yoke and to remove the burden. How many know that people, when it comes to giving, they look at it as a burden? So that simply means that there's, there's coming on GVC a freedom for people to have bold generosity and trust in God. I guess I'm going to have to preach a little bit more because you're not getting real excited yet. All right. It might be a long morning then. All right. You might as well get happy because that might shorten my message a little bit. All right. <laughs> Woo, come on. Now, here's the thing. That statement, it engages my heart or my spirit like, yes, God, I thank you. I believe that. I believe that there is a spirit of generosity that's coming on this church. And that's not to put pressure on people that's not what this is about but there is a spirit of generosity that's coming on this church but all the while that statement still kind of messes with me and the reason that it messes with me is because the national average concerning people that tithe is only 10 percent 10 percent of the church tithes they're givers and so that messes with your head to say, okay, God, that's going to be a miracle. Praise God. It's going to take God moving in the midst of his people. But here's what we have to understand. That prosperity, that God delights, is connected, or I should say it this way, the prosperity that God desires for us to experience in our life is directly connected to our giving, toward our generosity. And I'll make this statement. This is a little bit earlier than I wanted to make the statement. But I'll go as far as to say this. How many of you believe that God's moving in these days? How many of you believe that Jesus is coming real soon? All right. If this is the hour that Jesus is coming, then that automatically means that there has to be a move in the hearts of generosity in the people of God. And I'll let you chew on that for a little bit, and, and I'll come back and talk about it. But you cannot have one without the other. If Jesus is coming, then bold generosity is coming to the church. Amen? Wow. <laughs> you all rough crowd this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, let me say this. Let me kind of 
uh, uh, challenge you in this line of thinking. Because when it comes to the, the aspect of tithing and giving, one of the things that oftentimes people will uh, argue is they'll say that when it comes to giving, giving is under the law. And that's not the case. In fact, Abraham was the one that in, engaged or instituted the principle of the tithe, but he actually instituted that principle or that spiritual law, if you will, 400 and some years before the law was ever given. But now, just to define the two, just to kind of help you understand some things, over in Galatians, the Bible starts to make reference to the law or the covenant that we have with God. He goes on to say this. He says, listen, if, if, if you're going to be saved or have a relationship with God by the law, he says, you're going to have to keep all the law. He says, that's how you're going to have to live your life. But that already proved uh, futile for us because how many of you understand? We cannot keep the law perfectly in our lives. That's why we need Jesus. But then he said, if you're not under the law, then Jesus paid the price to fulfill the law. Now you're under covenant with God. And so to have covenant with God means that God has made a promise to us that he cannot break. And in Galatians, it says now, concerning the law that I gave to the people, he says, I also made a covenant with Abraham before the law. And he says, if you're a child of God, this covenant is still working in your life. So all, all we always say, well, you listen, it's not under the law. No, God's not a legalistic God. He's a covenant God. And one of the things that we know about God is that the Bible says that God is faithful even when we are not. Because he's a covenant God. And so the covenant that he's made with us says that I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll be a healer to you. I'll deliver you out of, out of trouble. And this belongs to us because of the covenant. And we don't have to earn it. All we have to do is receive Christ. And so people will say, well, if I have a covenant with God, then why do I worry about that giving stuff? Why do I got to worry about that tithing thing? Because even though we are blessed without being a tither, engaging the spiritual principle into our lives, most of what you will experience in your life is the blessing by which God gave you to do for yourself. Meaning that the goodness that you experience in your life is basically because God has blessed you and you've experienced the goodness of God, but that's as far as it goes. But how many of you understand that there's more than just having your needs met? Because here's what the Bible says in regards to the spiritual law. Because all we focus on is, do I have to give? Do I have to give? Do I have to give? Do I have to give money? He says this over in Malachi. He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Prove me now in this to see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. But then he goes on to say, I will also rebuke the devourer for your sake because you are a tither and a giver. So here's what we end up seeing. We see many individuals that are Christians that love God, but they just choose not to give or be tithers, and they still experience the blessings of God. And they say, well, if I'm experiencing the blessings of God, then why do I need to do that tithing thing? Because I'm already blessed. But what they fail to understand is that even though they're blessed, it said that when you're a tither, God rebukes the devourer for your sake. So without being a tither, you're still blessed. 
But you've left an open door for the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. How come it seems like I always get sick? I seem to get better, but man, I'm always sick. Maybe it's because there's an open door for the enemy. How come it seems like my children are always going through stuff? It always seems like, man, my kids are just tormented. Why are my kids dealing? Maybe I've experienced a blessed life, but maybe I've opened up the door for the devourer. Simply because I've not trusted God with the tithe, the spiritual principle of my life. Does that make sense? And furthermore, how many of you understand that God does not need your money, but what he does need is your heart? He's asking you, will you trust me in this particular area of your life? Amen? Now, once again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But listen, that statistic that said only 10% of the church gives or are actually tithers in the church. Here's another national statistic that it showed. It said that Generation Z has become a more generous uh, generation than the preceding, which would be the millennials. Now, at first glance, that kind of blesses your heart like, well, praise the Lord, God's doing something. They're becoming more generous. They're, they're leaning in and they're becoming givers. But this is what the statistics showed. They're givers based on the evidence that the money is going to a cause. In other words, if I'm going to give money, I want to know that it's going for something good. And so although that sounds good on the surface, what it proves is that this Generation Z, which is your 20-somethings and your teenagers right now, that they have to have proof of something good being done in order for me to obey God. Rather than having it modeled in front of me, we trust the Word of God. We honor God with our tithe and our offering, regardless of where it goes or what is being done with the money. I know that God has called me to be a tither and a giver, and because God requires or asks it of me, I just do it on the merits of the Word of God. Amen. Are you getting the difference? And so what that tells us is that the young generation are saying, I will not trust God's word. I want natural proof. And the only reason that they are that way is because of the models that have been shown. And what does that show? It just shows that the home has not been a model of saying, let's trust God. Let's believe God's word. Let's do what the Word of God says so that we can experience the blessings in our life. So that we can experience God's faithfulness to rebuke the devourer for our sake. Is this making sense to y'all? I, 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 I practice it a whole lot better in my head than it's coming out right now. So I'm hoping that you're getting it. Maybe it's the faces and the lack of response that I'm like, Dear God, come on somebody, help me preach this morning. God's wanting us to experience his blessings and his increase in our life. Come on, somebody say generous or bold, bold generosity. Amen. Now, I said this to you. I said that in order for God to move in this hour, the church has to have bold generosity. Now, why is that? Let me bring your attention to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 
It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For now, look, look at this, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is going to cause this move of God in these last days in the church today? It is going to be the hearts crying out to God, seeking God's face. It's not God just saying, well, I think I'm about ready to do something. No, it's going to be the hearts of God's people crying out, saying, God, we want you. We want more of you. Pour out your spirit in our, in our, in our lives and in our church. But that means if a heart is turning towards God and saying, God, we want you. We're not so distracted anymore. God, you have become our priority. Notice what it says. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So that means that if God begins to move in our church, in our city, that means that there is a bold generosity that is coming along with it because where our treasure is, our heart is going to be also. Does that make sense? It has to happen. Now you might say, I don't like you talking this way because it puts the pressure on me. I'm not putting pressure on you to give one penny. That's not the point. I'm wanting you to trust God because God has more for you that you've limited him in being able to move. How come depression and a spirit of heaviness just imprisons my home? Maybe it's because I've not trusted God in this particular area. I've opened the door. How come my marriage just isn't what it is? How come teenagers are struggling with pornography? How come teenagers are struggling with teen suicide? How come there's this big issue of identity with our young people today? Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Am I a dog? I don't know. What do I feel like today? Maybe if we as the people of God, moms and dads, homes would begin to say, God, I'm going to trust you, live a life of faith, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because you've asked me. And when I do that, you rebuke the devourer for my sake. And so for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My young son and daughter, they won't worry about what they're going to do when they grow up or who they're going to be or who they're going to marry because they just know boys go with girls and girls go with boys. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? God desires for us to come to a place of trusting him. And you might say, are you buying God's grace? No. God's saying, I know that this is one of the biggest areas that people struggle with in the body of Christ. Therefore, this is the thing that I'm going to test your faith on. Amen. Say it with me. Bold generosity. We're going to close the door. Amen. As I said, bold generosity. When I say that, just those words, and I chose those words specifically, bold generosity, because that invokes your thinking to say, oh, dear God, that must mean I'm expected to give real big. Bold generosity is not in the amount of the money. It's in the heart of the giving. If you've never given and you feel prompted in your heart to give a dollar and you obey that, that's bold generosity. And let me just let you off the hook. If you feel like God is going to ask you to do some huge impossible thing, that's not God. 
He leads you in your faith. So therefore, it might start out with a dollar. It might go to five dollars. It might go, just dare to believe and trust me in the tithe. And how many of you know that God's fair when it comes to this giving principle? He didn't say it's based on your income. He said it's just 10%. So you can be a millionaire and it's still 10%. You can be on food stamps and it's still 10%. It's fair to everybody. Amen? Because God's wanting you to learn how to trust him. Let me just close this out by just sharing a few stories with you to help you understand in regards to God's faithfulness. I said to you that it's not the amount. When I was in Bible college, I remember going to exaltation. It was during the middle of the week, and it was on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And as I began to get ready for the day, I remember looking in my wallet and saying, there's no money in my wallet. Okay, that's no worries. I guess I just don't get a coffee today. Well, as I'm sitting there in exaltation, I'm sitting on the front row, and I look over to this guy down, a couple seats down from me. And the Lord said to me, give him what's in your wallet. And I said, God, I don't have anything in my wallet. And I heard this in my spirit again. He says, give him what's in your wallet. I said, God, I don't have anything in my wallet. I checked this morning. There's nothing in my wallet. And a third time, the Lord said to me, give him what's in your wallet. And so finally, man, out of just frustration, like, God, I'm going to show you. I pulled out my wallet, opened it up, and I'm like, there's $5 there. And then I started getting self-conscious. I said, yeah, but God, I said, it's only $5. What's he going to do with $5? He never said give it again. But all the while, I'm wrestling. It's like only $5, God. But finally, after exaltation, I went over to him, and I said, you know what? I said, this isn't a whole lot of money. I said, but I said, God said, give you what's in my wallet. I said, give, 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 God said, give, give you what's in my wallet. And so I'm giving you my $5. Now, here's the thing. He could have been believing God for $5. He could have been saying, God, I just want some lunch today. And because I obeyed God. But how many of you understand it took bold generosity to get my $5 over to him? It wasn't in an amount. Praise the Lord. Once again, when you think about just the goodness and the generosity of God, you know, You'll begin to find that as God begins to move on your heart and in these days and these hours in which we're living, there are going to be things that look a little bit different in the church. There's going to be things that just are out of the norm of what you're experienced before. And it's just a challenging of your faith. I'll give you an example. Our pastors one time, it was on a Wednesday night. So this wasn't on a Sunday morning where you got new people, you know, that just maybe you think oh, that was kind of weird. This was on a Wednesday where you got the faithful bunch, the ones that have been in church for a long time. And so as he's taking up the offering on that particular Wednesday night, he's got one of the buckets in his hands. And he says, the Lord's been telling me this. And he says, there's a miracle in this bucket. And he throws the bucket across the front, lands on the floor, standing up. And that's all he said. But in the midst of that, there were several people that jumped up, ran over to the bucket, and put an offering in it. Every single person that put an offering in that bucket started calling the office that week and saying, My business has just exploded. I got a new client. I got a new job. I got a promotion. Amen. Now, once again, you might say, That's the weirdest thing. 
But when there is bold generosity and an anointing to give, God just might stir some strange-looking things. But he's looking to do something. Amen? Once again, when I was in Bible college, we were, we were in what we called prayer school that particular day. It was after the, the school, and they would always have segments or quarters where tuition was due. And then they would give you this grace period, and at the end of the grace period, if you did not pay your tuition, you couldn't go back to classes. And so we're there about 400 students in prayer school. And on this particular day, there were several students that were unable to go to class. There was nearly $100,000 that had not come in or that was past due for these students to go back to class. And so we said, well, why don't we just pray about that lack of money? And so we just began to pray as a student body. Thank you that God, you're sending provision. Money's coming in. Students are going back to school. And then after that, one of the singers came up on the platform. She said, I just hear this in my spirit. Now, again, this is Rama Bible College. And so she said, this is what I hear. Money cometh to Rama Bible Training Center. Money cometh to Rama Bible Church. Money cometh to Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Money cometh to me. And then the musicians picked up on that and played a little bit of a ditty. And the whole congregation of students began to sing this. Money cometh to Rama Bible Training Center. Money cometh to Rama Bible Church. Money cometh to Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Money cometh to me. Woo! And we sang that for about 15 minutes. And every time that we sang it, it got louder. And every time we sang it, the praise got more radical. And it got so radical to the, where the place was just ablaze with the glory of God. The next day we came to class. Every student that was out was back in class. The administration office had said, we've never seen anything like this before. People were driving off the street saying, I just felt compelled to come and pay for somebody's college. And every student over or nearly $100,000 came in that afternoon before business day closed. Because we believed and had bold generosity. Amen. And once again, I've shared this before, but for the sake of closing out, stand up with me if you will. This was the first week of being at Bible college. I was over at the church. It was a Sunday morning. I got there late, so I'm up in the balcony. And there's about 6,000 people here under this huge building. There's this man standing or sitting on the front row, and Pastor Hagen calls him up. His name's Bernie. He says, Bernie, he says, tell me what's going on with you, because God was kind of moving on Bernie there on the front row. And Bernie said, well, you know, he said, Pastor, you know my wife. She's been battling cancer. And praise the Lord, we've got the victory. We're cancer-free, and God's been faithful. And he says, well, what's been going on with you, though? I've been watching you, Bernie. What's been going on? He says, because I've been sitting here on the front row during praise and worship. And he says, even though that God has ministered health and healing to my wife's body, and she's clear from cancer, he said, now, as I'm sitting there on the front row, the devil's saying to me, but you know the amount of money that you owe for the bills that are past due. And the one is 20-some thousand just by itself. And he said, I started saying, well, devil, if God is good enough to heal my wife, he's good enough to pay the bill. 
And he starts laughing hysterically on the platform. And he laughs so much that he falls down. And the power of God is just all over him. So we start shouting with him. But all of a sudden, one person starts running down to the front, throws money up on the platform. And then it just seems like people from everywhere are running to the platform throwing money. And Bernie was a big, big man. And there was so much money on Bernie that you could no longer see Bernie. And in a matter of 30 seconds, the bills that were due were paid in the house of God because people were moved with bold generosity. Amen. I'm telling you, that's coming on the house of God in this hour, in this day. Not to where we're fretting and worrying about how. But no, we just step out and say, God, you are faithful. I trust you. And God, I'm asking and believing you to deliver my children, my teenager. Fix my marriage. Take this pain. Heal my body. Fill my church. Amen. Do you believe that God can use you in this hour? Are you ready just to say, God, I'm, a I'm tired of being afraid concerning this money thing. And I'm going to trust you. Because, God, you're faithful to your word. Amen. The last thing I'll say before I pray. Please hear me. This is not about raising money for church. This is not a talk about paying bills. This is about you experiencing the goodness of, the, of God and the faithfulness of God and closing the door to the enemy that has been left open. Amen? Because you are blessed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, help us. God, help us to trust and believe in you. God, we so want to. God, stir up that bold generosity on the inside of us. That, Lord, we would take your word at face value and say, God, I believe. And, God, we declare that there is a move of God hitting this church that is going to sweep across this county, across this city. And, God, you are going to do a mighty work in this hour, this year, in this church, in these people because we have bold faith in you. In Jesus' name. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.